is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 93.3. I got Hennessy and whiskey and some apple juice in here. I got apple juice and coffee all inside my DNA. I am back for another weekend because I got that DNA. What up, world? This is your favorite celebrity talker. <laughs> okay. That's right, guys. Yeah. Stanley Fritz is, is a celebrity now. Really? I am famous. If you guys did not know, this is Stanley Fritz and the PC ones and twos. What up? Stanley, oh. you you got some you got some I don't know what that is over in your beard. You yeah, my DNA. Some, some fluffy stuff. In my over DNA. here on the other side. On the other side. Sorry, I, I, I didn't I didn't have any train. I didn't have any um, metric card for the for the train it's this morning. <laughs> so you know. Everybody point and laugh at Stanley Stanley Schmutz. Last in, night I saw Stanley serenade a huge group of people with my boyfriend to Backstreet Boys, and it was Aww. it was traumatic. I want did it you, that way. Did you guys go out for karaoke? Yes, we did. We, you, did we, we specifically did not invite you, Selena. You I see <laughs> that. <laughs> Where was I? I was I not know. asked for karaoke. We were yes. not invited. A yes. friend that you guys Whites are not only, friends. Selena. <laughs> it must have been. No, oh. No. Well, but actually, I was at a party last night that me and my friend Alexis were the only white people at. And I was looked at. Wait, Alexis. was it the hip hop party? Um, no, it, I don't know. It was a basket. It was a, like a prep school basketball party kind of thing. <laughs> it was a meetup of people who had been who had gone to prep school on some kind of scholarship. Were you guys cougaring? Um, no, we were invited because we were like a friend of somebody who was there, and like oh. we donated to the prep school and stuff. Anyways, uh, so I look at my friend Alexis and I go, and I look around and I go. The lack of white people here is refreshing. And she just starts <laughs> cracking up. Melissa loves being in a, a pool of black people, a sea of color. It's, well, it's way better than being in a sea of white people. Mm. I don't right. know. Would you agree, Stanley? I, I was in a sea of white people. It wasn't that bad. I mean, I was waiting for someone to scream purge, but it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it never happened, so that was a good thing. Oh, my God. Oh, right. I have seen Stanley in a sea of white people start a Mitt Romney chant. Yeah. More than one time. It's called white it's guilt. Romney. They'll chant anything I want them to because they don't want to look racist. <laughs> Oh my god! Sorry, right, guys. It's a definite pre-Trump uh, pre action. I don't know that that's like a good yeah. move anymore. I thought about it and I was like, no, it's just not yeah, the same no, anymore no, no, because no. it was sarcastic before. It was funny then, I guess. But now it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. All right, guys. So, um, yeah, oh, welcome to the show. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hey, guys. Thank you for joining us here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem, where we talk about politics, Stanley Fritz's shenanigans all the time, Trinkin apparently. Habits. Um, social issues, foreign policy, and of course, we do that all from a millennial perspective. My name is Selena Hill on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me at Miss Selena Hill, and I spell that with an M-S, and I just want to let everybody know my Insta stories are lit. Yep. I get a lot. Uh, yes, they, Stanley, you don't watch my Insta story. I actually story. do. So I know she was making fun of one of her black friends. She was like, look at Bobby coming from a job interview. And he's like, I always wear suits. And she's like, nah, he's coming from a job interview. He's coming from court. And then the snap ended. No, what he was saying was that, oh, why can't I be a black man wearing a suit? Why do, why do we always have to look like we're slanging? And I was like, please, Alex, you know you don't dress like this. But anyway, Stanley, I can't believe you actually watched that snap. Anyway, who else is here? I'm here. I mean, in theory, I'm physically <laughs> yeah, here. I don't know if I'm mentally here. Um, I hope so, Alyssa. I, I mean, possibly. Um, but anyways, no, seriously, in all seriousness, I am here. Um, 
in theory and in reality. And I'm Melissa Fuchs, and I'm your political and legal correspondent. And you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs, which is where we are live broadcasting this from. Um, and you can also leave a comment on politically po- preposterous. I can't even speak this morning. Um, if you're cool and you like this show and you want to <laughs> interact cool. with us. Hey, yo, <laughs> if you're not cool, <laughs> you can still watch you can still and comment and interact yeah. with us. Yeah. yeah. Um, if, if you're ugly and don't believe in politics, you can still listen to this show. Yeah, Is it my turn us. to introduce myself? Uh, my no, turn? I was going to go. No, no one likes you or the Giants, Jackie. <laughs> Ladies first, all right? Um, all right? Go Giants, yeah. So I'm Jackie Cohen. You can follow me on Twitter at J-A-Q-I-C-O-H-E-N. I, too, am here physically, but yeah. spiritually, mentally, elsewhere. I didn't, you know what? I had one drink last night. You had one? I had 13. I had one drink last night. <laughs> you still had I, And it was a cider. Like, it was, like, not. Um, Sorry, I don't so speak tired. European. Can you tell me about <laughs> American liquor? No. But I'm just tired. I'm an yeah. old, old woman. I'm super sleepy. Yeah. Like, yeah, well, I yeah, Selena, Selena, Selena slapped last night was like, Hey, y'all, I'm in the Bronx. Oh, it's my God. Red. Selena Snapchat last night. I watched it on my way home. I was like, what am I doing? And I'm like, like I am not having a good enough time. I in feel life. like she travels the way that snap loads stories because, like, the first time we're like, I'm in the Bronx. Next snap. What up? We are Harlem. Right, right. Next snap, We are all Dubai. Oh, my God. I'm like, what? How'd you get here? Yeah. Time and then, here. like, I'll yeah, see her. Multiple other people's snaps that I didn't know that she knew. Yeah, right, right, right. right. It's like Selena. Ooh. Yeah. Next thing you I know, she's going to be like, we got arrested. We up here at the precinct. <laughs> Where are we about to get? We're calling Alyssa. <laughs> get me out of here. We're we about to get police brutality. <laughs> <laughs> we about to go to Central Booking. It's lit. It's lit. All right, guys. So, well, yeah, I had too much fun, and I'm definitely paying the consequences right now. You don't even drink alcohol. What is wrong with you? And we had a toast for my promotion with water. <laughs> Yo, of course you did. I would have slapped that cool. cup of water out of your hand. You know me. So, anyways, oh God, guys, thank God I didn't drink. On to the main event. This is your favorite man in the land, Stanley Fritz. I am handsome. I got a haircut at the last minute on 146th Street and Broadway, and the barber did not speak English. But you know what? We had chemistry, and he used a razor, and he used a warm towel on my face. One thing, real mother loving, luxurious. You can follow me on Twitter at Stan. Fritz. You can follow me on Snapchat at Dark Skin Swindle, and I have a Bitmoji now. You can also follow me on Facebook where I start race wars, Facebook wars, economic wars, and I don't care that Obama's making $400,000 off of Wall Street at Stanley Fritz, and maybe I'll add you if you seem like a person that is not a robot or a police officer. And of course, <laughs> I'm always on the Instagram, not posting pictures of myself, but pictures of everything else, and not posting movies unless I'm in D.C., almost getting arrested at the White House. What up? I mean, like, is Obama not allowed to make any money anymore? No, we're going to have to save that for the news roundup because apparently Elizabeth Warren says no. But guys, before we jump an hour ahead, Mm -hmm. we actually going to start this show talking about Trump's 100 days of fail. We will be talking about (laughs) what the first 100 days of his presidency looks like and what it has done to our country and our world. So we'll have a very colorful conversation, to say the (laughs) least, about Trump's 100 days. Then we're going to move on because apparently... Apparently, Trump Trump actually has taken a little bit of credit for the wave of global radical populism that has infiltrated our entire planet. Corny white people rising. Yeah. So at one point, Trump was like, you know, I kind of started this. But um, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about populism and we're going to talk about why this radical right wing populism seems to be infiltrating every part. Well, at least the West. 
and on the other, other countries. But we're going to focus on the West uh, in light of the French election, which is coming up yeah. in a few more days. So that's something to look out for. And then last but not least, Alyssa's here with our quickie. She will be talking about Trump's crackdown on sanctuary cities. Yeah, Alyssa? so that's an interesting conversation. There's obviously a lawsuit going on. We don't know exactly what's going to happen yet. But the gist of it is Trump has threatened to withhold funding from cities that do not comply with ICE, which is the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency, um, and there is a lawsuit going on about that. And last week, a judge in California ruled that Trump's plan was unconstitutional. So I'll get into a little bit more details just uh, in about the law and about why um, that may be true and tell you sort of what's going to happen next, because this is not the end. This is, in fact, just the beginning. Um, there is going to be several appeals before this issue is decided in full. Definitely. So we have a great show lined up. We're going to talk a lot about facts. Stanley might talk about some alternative facts. Maybe, maybe not. Easy. Also known as lies. Right. Yes. Uh, and, of course, we want you to let your voice be heard. That means you should call us up at 212-650-6903. We're coming on a quick break, but don't go anywhere because we're coming back talking about Trump. I keep asking myself, what is he doing here? <laughs> Guys, we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. On my left is Alyssa Fuchs. On my slightly other left is Jackie Coleman. And on my right is Facebook Live from my stream. And on my other left is Facebook Live from Alyssa's stream. If you are paying attention through the live feeds, you can probably see Selena running back into the studio because that's right, Selena Hill is also a guest on this show. She is a guest. She is a host. Just a guest. She is a goddess. Yes, the goddess of business. Oh, by the way, I really like your hair today, Selena. Just See? wanted to point that out. I like the bun thing you have going on. Thank you, Alyssa. She's like, thank you. I got to go to Dominicans later. It's all right. I got, so a, I got the bun set. thing going on today, too. It must be, And, you know, we didn't coordinate that. Yeah. You know what it is? Because they're all, all the black women are boycotting Shea Moisture, so Selena can't get her hair done. <laughs> and so, like, it's, it's like, socially acceptable Back again. That commercial was horrible. Save that for the news roundup, ladies. Yes, So, Jackie. guys... <laughs> First of all, I miss you all, particularly you, Miss Deborah. Where have you been in all my life? Call in today. And I'm here to have this great discussion with you. And I guess Jackie, Alyssa, and Selena can be a part of it as well. We're talking about Donald Trump's first 100 days in office. Well, now it's 101 days because today is Sunday and Saturday made it the 100th day. And in the 100 days that Donald Trump has been in office, we have not gotten into World War III just yet. Yeah. You don't need freedom papers if you're black to walk down the street. Yeah. And I guess the Hunger Games have not, like, officially kicked in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but when Donald Trump came into office, he created this thing called the Contract with America, where he said that he would, A, repeal Obamacare, B, replace it with something different, C, get, rid get us out of the Paris Climate Agreement, D, pull out of NAFTA, E, pull out of the, the um, TPP and all sorts of other things. And in these 100 days, he's probably accomplished maybe 0.5 of all the things that he said he would do. He said he would get additional funding for historically black colleges and universities. He did not do that. He said he would give people universal health insurance. He has not done that. He said that he would be in the White House more than Barack Obama. So far in nine weeks of, as being president, he has spent 13 weeks at the golf course going to the Mar-a-Lago, or as he calls it, the winter, the weekend White House or the winter White House. I don't know what he's calling it these days. Also, after talking about draining the swamp, he has given his wife, uh, I mean his daughter, a job in the White House. He has also given his cuck, I mean his son-in-law, a job in the White House. He has also had multiple people who worked on his campaign and who said that Hillary was corrupt 
being found out to be working with Russia on the side, including Mike Flynn, including Jeff Sessions, including Jared Kushner, who met with the Russian billionaire the day before the Republican National Convention. And throughout all of this, Donald Trump has still said that he was going to make America great again. Even when he dropped the mother of all bombs in Afghanistan to attack who? I don't know. To get what? I don't know. To accomplish what? Nothing. Even when he dropped 59 bombs in Syria to stop them from firing at their people, even though the next day after dropping that bomb on the airbase, Syria flew planes from that same airbase and bombed their people again because it didn't work. So after all these things have happened, we are here to have a conversation about whether we think his first 100 days were a success or a failure. And maybe my shady introduction made you feel like we already have our answer set up. But hey, things could be different. I could be white. No, I couldn't. <laughs> so, guys, to start this conversation, besides just me babbling over here, I want to kind of jump right into it. We all had a lot of expectations or fears or, as I said on Bold TV on Friday, a lot of like nightmares, 100 days of nightmares about what Donald Trump would do. Has he met your expectations? And when I say that, I don't mean has like he done as good as you thought, but what were some of the worst things you thought he would accomplish or try to do? Has he met those? I'll start with Jackie. Um, he, I mean, is he worse? I, it's hard to answer that question because I cannot even, I still can't believe I wake up every day and I go, I cannot believe Donald Trump is president. <laughs> every day I say it out loud. I just still can't believe it. So has he exceeded my terrible expectations? Sure. I mean, I think one thing that's really important is that he did not repeal and replace Obamacare. And I think that's really a huge failure on his part because that was sort of like the biggest tenant of his campaign and sort of the biggest um, risk to Americans was this threat of repealing Obamacare. And he was unable to do it. It looks like he's probably, you know, there's going to be a new bill that's a little bit more to the right. And it looks like that looks like it's going to fail, too. But that looks like it's going to fail as well. So it looks like one of the biggest tenants of his campaign to repeal and replace Obamacare, which is pretty like critical to the Republican Party at this point, it has been a huge failure amongst many others. So I think that's a big deal. I mean, yeah, I actually I'll, I'll start where Jackie left off, which is the one thing that I was the most concerned about uh, right after the election was the prospect of losing my health insurance, me and 24 million other people that stand to potentially lose their health insurance. So far, that has not happened yet because Donald Trump is totally inept and cannot get it together, even with his own party, in order to get anything done. And part of that is due to the fact that he's inept, as I just said. And the other part of that is due to the fact that he has no idea how government actually works. He has no idea how um, to work or to not work with Congress. Um, he just, uh, you know, he, he came out this week and said, "I this is much harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, that's probably the first honest thing that he has said in the past hundred days. And that add to that the fact that there's only one thing that he could actually say or take credit for having gotten done. And in some ways, he can't even take full credit. And that's filling a Supreme Court seat because but for the right. fact that the Republicans stole this seat, he would not have been able to fill this exactly. seat. So, yeah. you know, other than actually getting Neil Gorsuch sat on the Supreme Court. What is it that he's actually done in the past 100 days? Because I can't think of anything. Give right. me PTSD. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. Every that, that, that's, that's hilarious. No, I, I think that um, Donald Trump's expect like the expectations that I had were really, really bad. And he has fulfilled them because in a 
in a way that is pretty scary. But I will say his promise to drain the swamp and to pretty much fill his cabinet with people who wouldn't be a part of the establishment or who would actually help working class people. I think that was one of the, the biggest proponents of his campaign. And it's so sad to see that he did the exact opposite and that so many businessmen, people with corporate ties to Wall Street and people with alternative alternative, um, alternative interests are the people that have been filling uh, the government. So I think that 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 promise and the fact that he didn't fill it was one of the biggest things um, for me in addition to the Affordable Care Act. But, but he had women beaters and racists on his campaign staff. What right. did you think it was going to be different? Well, he, right. s- he said he was going to drain the swamp and that was like one of his biggest things. He also said he had a big penis at a debate. How do you know he doesn't? I mean, yeah, we don't know that, Stanley. Small and hands. Russians now. And he and he and also <laughs> I mean, what were you doing this weekend at Trump Tower, Stanley? Well, let's just say I took a a cleaner shower today. (laughs) And he also, I will say, though, he uh, he repealed, uh, he walked back TPP. That's the one thing that well, he, he just didn't decides. sign it because it was never it was never signed. Right, so. but I mean, that's one thing that he accomplished, which is dumb. <laughs> he did it. Yes, he yes. did it. I mean, everything has been a flip flop. We have no idea what's actually going on. I mean, what are the things he ran on? Build a wall. No wall. Lock up Hillary Clinton. That's not happening. Muslim ban. Failed twice. Repeal the Affordable Care Act. Can't get that done. Tax reform. Well, we're talking about it, but who knows if that's actually going to get done. Uh, deport all the immigrants. That's sort of actually happening. Yeah, it, it is. is. Actually, you know? yeah. Um, yeah. I, mean, I mean, but that was also happening under Barack Obama, which is something we've talked about at length. And one of the big sticking points with us as people who consider ourselves pretty progressive in terms of the Obama administration. Obviously, we're not here to rehash what Obama did or didn't do and what we like or didn't like. But again, I mean, literally every single campaign promise, starting with Drain the Swamp, heading through Muslim ban, and right up until Build the Wall. And not one thing has been accomplished. And guess what? Things don't happen overnight. But at the same time, even the easy stuff, they can't get done. So what makes them think they're going to get any of this quote-unquote hard stuff done? Well, let, let me, I want to kind of push back on you just lightly, Alyssa, because on the Obama thing, and I promise we won't stay long on that, the Obama administration was deporting people with serious felonies. Right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Trump people are deporting people who look Mexican. And, and, <laughs> and they've, they've even tried to deport some people who are actually citizens, Jackie. Right. Well, and Trump's administration is is very intent on creating a climate of fear around these deportations, right? Where, and not to defend Obama at all, because I think that Obama was not good on, on immigration until DACA, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that Trump is very interested in creating a climate of fear so that people are fearful of the government and that they get in line behind the government. Um, so they're and the things that they're seeking to do are not just deport people, but um, change the status of people and make it so anybody can be deported. Even if you become a citizen, you're still it, it weakens your citizenship um, if you know you're at risk of the things that the Trump administration, which essentially to creates two tiers of yeah, citizenship, exactly. which is uh, raises all other sorts of constitutional issues that we're not going to get into today, but maybe we will get into in a future show. So I want to take us on a curveball for a little bit. Just yes or no answer. I know it's complicated, but just work with me. Yes or no? Has Trump's policies or his presidency really altered your life yet, Selena? Oh, my God, that's a hard one. I know. I I know it's uh, tough, but just work with me, yes or no? For me, personally, no. For people I know, yes. A lot of people I know. Alyssa? Um, Yes, in that it's made uh, bringing these types of lawsuits that I bring. um, I feel like even though we're suing the police department, because of the culture surrounding policing and the things that Trump are saying, I feel like it's become more difficult in some ways. 
Jackie? I would say yes. It's all anybody ever talks about. It's like all consuming in everybody's life, this presidency, this man in power. I think that it's changed the advocacy field tremendously. And so, yeah, definitely. All right. And I know we have people listening and watching on Facebook Live as well as listening through the TuneIn app. If you think that, answer that question for me as well. Has Donald Trump significantly affected your life? Answer it on Alyssa's stream. Answer it on my stream. If you're listening on a podcast, tweet us. Email us. Hell, send a messenger pigeon. But the, <laughs> the, the piece that I want to get to next, and I know you had your hand up, Alyssa. Forgive me. For, I'm going to have to get past it for a second. Is So, like, we're saying, yes, it's affected people's lives. How many people have died? How many people have gone to jail? How many people have just completely been disenfranchised because of Donald Trump and the Republicans' agenda so far? I mean, I don't have the exact numbers on those things, but I think that the biggest thing that we need to remember is that even if it's not affecting your life personally, it's affecting other people. And I think this is what we sort of get into when we talk, look back at World War II, right? Which is that so many people were like, oh, I'm not Jewish. I'm not being deported. They're not coming for me, right? That's where that whole Martin Niemöller poem comes in. I wasn't a socialist, so I didn't speak out. I wasn't this, so I didn't speak out. I wasn't a black. You know, right? And so I think that's the most important thing is like to, not pay so much attention to how is this personally affecting me and instead pay attention to like you know if I don't stand up and say something now am I going to be the next person on this list and so you know maybe it's not you today but it could be you tomorrow and so that's why I think there's sort of a danger in getting too complacent in thinking just about has this presidency specifically had a positive or a negative effect on my life right now. Selena? Well I I think that especially for the undocumented community it's created such pandemonium and I've spoken with a number of them some of them who I call friends um, one who happens to be a an activist who uh, works with children and um, who uh, works with other undocumented children getting them scholarships so that they can go to schools and college and he was like I had to scale it back I'm no longer doing uh, media appearances and making as many public appearances because I feel like a target now because he doesn't have all of his papers in line mm-hmm. and he he, and it's stopping him from doing his work. And then I, when I went to Chicago and I was speaking to like a number of the Uber drivers there and they expressed such fear and they're like, what's going to happen to my family? And then lastly, um, our gardener and, and one of the men that do a lot of construction, that does a lot of construction on our house, he no longer works with us because he's too afraid to leave his immediate neighborhood. So he's sacrificing making money because of this fear. Thank you very much for that, guys. So, really quickly, I do want to get a comment off of Facebook Live. Natalia Zamparini, thank you very much for tuning in and giving a comment. She goes, yes, it affects me because if, if it affects one of us, it affects all of us. Yeah. Now, the point that I wanted to get to here with asking that question is, regretting Donald Trump's first 100 days in the office, and if you compare him to other people, he signed 28 laws. He signed 28 bills into law so far. Um, 13 of those were just pretty much bills that repealed Obama, Obama rules from um, the previous term. So... Um, allowing com- companies to to sell, to sell your information without your permission, allowing coal companies to to let coal like exhaust go into to rivers and and waters without having to clean it up, um, making it easier for student loan companies to go after you if you're behind in your payments, things like that. Along with that, he signed 77 executive orders, including two bans that were meant to quote unquote go after countries where the most terrorism. Um, terrorists come from, even though the countries he listed in both occasions didn't weren't the places that had the most terrorists, but we'll, we'll get on that later. And then also executive orders that just pretty much said that you had to be buying American, even though it didn't provide any clear, like it didn't provide any clear metric on what this means. One of the cra- one of the things that I've realized 
while dealing with this Trump epidemic, and I think some of you guys have as well, and some of our listeners on Facebook Live is, if you talk to the opposition, they think these things are great. Yep. And, I, and, I, and I'll, I'll, plug, I'll keep plugging the Bold interview I did on Friday because and the camera wasn't panned on me a lot when I did this interview with Bold TV. Um, Carrie Sheffield, she gave Donald Trump an A for his economic <laughs> plan. And she was serious. And I remember I was, it, me, Clay and I were looking at her like she, she was crazy. Even the, the person from the National Review was looking at her like she was crazy. <laughs> and the thing was, Carrie doesn't think that this is hurting people. She thinks it's helping people. She thinks this is going to be great for people. And, yeah, she thinks that it's going to empower people to work and empower their economies. And the question that I have to ask for you is, we're saying it's affecting all these people and it's hurting them. Are we wrong? No. No, not at all. We're not wrong. Are we? How do you know that for sure? And Alyssa, you look like you want to punch me in the air, so I no, want you to answer. I mean, I kind of, I, I, com- I think you're com- confused. That's why I'm looking at no, you. No, no, I, I'm, I'm pretty not really said. sure no, I'm no, understanding no. the question. So the point that I'm trying to make here is we're seeing all these things that Trump have d- has done. We're saying they're horrible. We're saying that it's negatively affecting people. But then you have someone on the other side who's saying that these things are great and it's going to help people. Is there a chance that, Jackie, oh, go ahead. It will help rich people. With mm-hmm. lots of money, right, mm-hmm. to get tax breaks, and that's it, right? It's not going to. There's this like false idea that by giving these huge tax breaks to the rich in this country, they're going to reinvest it and create all these new jobs. And we just know that that's not true, right? They invest it off, off, you know, offshore. They <laughs> offshore like, accounts, right? Offshore accounts. They. It's not like this silver bullet to fixing the economy. And so I think that yes, it will help a very specific group of people, rich people, but I don't think that anybody else is going to benefit from his economic policies. I mean, listen, they say insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. I mean, that's exactly what we have going here on here. We did this once already under George Bush. It did not work. What makes them think it's going to work this time? I have no idea. All right. Well, so, on that note. Yeah, with that, on that note, guys, we are going to go on a quick break. When we come back, I do have another prodding question for you guys because... Picking up on what Alyssa said, saying you keep doing the same thing and it doesn't work. It's called insanity. I'm, I'm paraphrasing that. Forgive me, guys. But we're going on a quick break. And when we come back, it'll be more on Trump's first 100 days. Make it on your own, but we don't have to grow up. We can stay forever young. Living on my sofa, drinking rum and cola underneath the rising sun. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, The Voice of Harlem, where we call out white DJs for not knowing how to mix, but they play like a... And if you were just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz, here with Selena Hill, Alyssa Fuchs, and Jackie Cohen, and we are talking about Donald Trump's first hundred days in the White House, where he has not got us into World War III or four, but he has threatened to invade Mexico and has been talking real spicy to North Korea. And if you want to call in with a question, comment, or curse word, because you were on Facebook Live, and Stanley Fritz lost his connection, but Alyssa did not. Good stuff, Alyssa. You can give us a call at 212-650-6903. That's again, 212-650-6903. When we left off, I was saying to the team, I said, listen, guys, we have all these ideas and feelings about how Trump has impacted people, but the other side thinks that it's actually helping people, and I asked them if we were wrong, and I think Jackie said it in the most concise way. She said, no, we're not wrong. Trump's policies will help some people, the rich, and no one else. So now, having said that, Jumping into this conversation, I want to kind of take this a little bit broader now. So we're saying that these policies are not going to help anyone, but everywhere we're looking, at least in the West, and we're going to talk about this in more detail next segment, there seems to be this right wing push. Why is it happening then? I, I think that, I mean, and it all goes back to how 
Trump had this emergence in the first place, right? And who he's speaking to. And he's speaking to the people who feel forgotten when it comes to, like, economics. And he's helped perpetuate the idea that the reason why a lot of working class Americans or middle class Americans or specifically white American white middle class Americans are doing so poorly when it comes to economics is due to um, the uh, brown people uh, immigration and these other people the other which are taking their jobs and this is rhetoric that has replayed over and over in our country for decades um, and it creates a sense of fear um, and it also works it, it's, it works with uh, for elected officials. So Trump, basically, he played up on their fears and their ignorance, and he used that to win the election. And it's still working. And it, it's it's odd. It's uh, very ironic because it's like all of the policies that he's putting into place, and um, especially his tax plan and the economic policies, they benefit him and people like him. Yeah. But the working class are they don't see or they seem to not understand that. Well, can I can I cut you off for one second? Yeah. It's not the working class that is voting for Trump. Let's be very clear about that. And middle because class. Because no, no, it is not the working so just class. White people. It's no, it's not just white people. Yes, yeah, some Uncle Tom's and Uncle and Theo Tom's have voted for Trump as well. But let's be very clear that people that voted for Trump were white people. Yeah. Yes, but they were high-earning people. A lot of the middle-class people did not vote for Trump. A lot of the poor, poor working-class people did not vote for Trump. They voted for Hillary, or they did not vote at all. However, it doesn't matter what economic place that the Trump voters were in. That's not the question that I have right now. The thing that I've noticed here is that Trump has pretty much gone against every single thing he promised in the campaign trail. But still, 96% of his supporters would vote for him again in a second. Yeah, I mean, listen. I think that the the biggest thing for me, at least, is it's it's could be summed up in one word: fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of change, fear of gays, fear of immigrants, fear of those that are different than you, fear of whoever, you know, fear of black people having any type of political power, um, you know, obviously coming off of eight years of Barack Obama being the president. So, you know, people and in particular white people. And I, I'll push back slightly because I don't just think it's rich people. I think there are a lot of, you know, listen to even Don, sorry, even Donald Trump said it. I love the poorly educated, you know, yes. like he was looking for the ignorant people that were going to vote against their economic interests. The majority of people, I think, that voted for Trump are not people that are going to be helped by his policies. They are people that have been duped and conned by the con man himself. Or a racist. Who, who is Donald Trump. Right. Or are racist. Or fear this unknown change that they don't know whether it's going to help them or not, but they still don't like it. And you have to consider where his base is getting their news from, right? And I think until Breitbart and until Fox News starts condemning Donald Trump, we're going to see his base, you know, still continue to support him no matter what. I mean, the media that they consume is saying that he's doing a great job, right? So if they're hearing that he's doing a great job, they're not going to think, oh, there's a problem here, right? We are consuming all different types of media and we understand the situation. But at the end of the day, until Breitbart and Fox News condemn Donald Trump, we will not see a change in his base. However, I think it should be noted that his approval ratings are abysmal. Oh, overall, God. Right? They're yeah. like around 40%, which is the lowest, I think, ever for in recent years for a new president. So, right. I mean, take that as you will. I mean, but meanwhile, when he launched the missile strike, then you saw his uh, approval ratings go up. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and let's not forget, he's also under investigation for a huge scandal involving Russia, and his associates are under investigation. Michael Flynn 
quite possibly did commit a crime um, by work, you know, so all of these other things are like a sideshow in some ways right. to distract us from the real issue, which is in Russia was involved in this election, whether or not Donald Trump was actually in cahoots with Russia or whether or not they were just working on his behalf in order to get him elected, which goes to the downfall of Western democracy, which we're going to talk more about in the second segment. You know, all of these things are sort of a sideshow from the real big issue, which is what did Donald Trump know? When did he know it? What was his involvement with Putin? And did he orchestrate this entire thing in order to win the election? I took a step away from the mic for two minutes. And you guys get right back into the <laughs> Russian scandal. I should have known. You liberals never let well, that there's go. there's just so many scandals. I mean, Trump has had more scandals in his first 100 day than Obama had in eight years of his presidency. Obama so, had no scandals. Yeah, none. Right. So he couldn't, Benghazi. right? Because we like skewer him. <laughs> so right. it's ridiculous. Anyway. So guys, we do have a caller on the line. And this is a bit of a weird thing because his name is Stanley. Oh, <laughs> that's the weird part. It's other yes. Stanley. Yes, it's other Stanley. So Stanley, let your voice be heard. Yes, this is Stanley, and I'm a tourist. Now, look, there's some things I disagree with you with because this character that's in the in the White House, he may sound kooky, but look, if Mexicans are killing people. Look what happened in Long Island. If he knows something, he doesn't want his children being killed by them. You got to think. You got to start thinking a little bit. Let's snap out of this Democrat, Republican, blah blah blah. It's because look, he knows that they're coming after him. He may be rich. They're coming after a lot of people because they want to take over America, and they're not the real indigenous people. We have to be told the truth. He finally woke up and smelled the coffee, and now he's trying to re- tell the public what's going on. These people are killing people, not only Mexicans, there are others also. But these are some killers in, in every group. So I'm not listening to y'all no more because y'all lost the election, and now I, we want to get our own intelligence back. Well, you Stanley, know- thank you very much for calling. I think I'll call you Paradox Stanley or Evil Stanley <laughs> um, because you no. pretty much think everything that I would think if I were high on crack and cocaine and molly. But since I'm not on any of those things, I will say I disagree with you. Sir... Mexicans aren't killing people. <laughs> there's, there's no, there's like, I mean, sure, I'm sure there are Mexican people that c- commit murder and kill people, but it's not happening at such a high number that we need to be afraid. Actually, if you want to go after the big murderers in this country, the it's people, white people, yes, white people are the ones that have committed the last three terrorist attacks in on this American soil. So if your concern is terrorism or people being murdered, why don't we bomb? Fuck, I don't know. Farm bill or something. I don't know, Selena. <laughs> but I, I think that you know Stanley is bringing up that concern about the the group, uh, the gang group MS. Please say evil Stanley. The other Stanley was bringing up MS13, which is killing a lot of people on Long Island, specifically in Suffolk County. And then we and they're not that, Mexican, right? And, and then <laughs> Jeff Sessions goes there, and he just instead of helping the situation by um, combating gang violence with education and other initiatives that help young people and prevent them from joining these gangs, he goes there and uses that as an opportunity mm-hmm. to continue this campaign to uh, against. Um, undocumented immigrants and first of all for them to try to make this about um, illegal immigration I think was was really sad and it was horrible because um, numbers also prove that undocumented people commit less crimes than regular Americans or or citizens back to hell 
I don't know. But the thing is, it also shows that that type of rhetoric, that type of language is definitely effective. Like, we have callers who listen to our show and who are also listening to Jeff Sessions and thinking that what he's saying is real yeah. or is factual, and it's not. I mean, let's, like, correct the record for a yeah, second. Which is, it. number one, um, MS-13 is a Salvadorian gang, not a Mexican <laughs> gang, for one. Number two, not everybody that's from El Salvador is in MS-13 or is a violent criminal. They're not? Sh- you know, sure. Just like in any group, there's going to be violent, dangerous people. But that does not mean everybody from there is violent or dangerous. Yeah, like we had the Bloods and Crips. White people had the Republican Party. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> the KKK. I mean, number three, the majority of drugs that are coming in this country that are people getting hooked on are coming from pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. The reason Susie Q is hooked on heroin is because she found Percocet in right. mommy's medicine cabinet. Not because somebody jumped the border and brought her a bundle of, uh, you know, Johnny Smith uh, heroin over here. It wasn't a little treasy. You know, and number four, <laughs> if we're really worried about this issue of, of gangs and gang violence, we have to address the underlying problems. Why do people join gangs? Poverty, lack of education, lack of opportunity. But we have no money for that because, of course, like Tupac said, we have money for war, but we never have money to feed the poor. And until we address these underlying issues, education, poverty, um, and hunger and all these other things and fix our criminal justice system, then we can continue to blame the other and the immigrant when they're not the ones causing the problem instead of addressing the issues that are causing the problems. Well, drop the mic then, Alyssa. I already yeah. like that. So we are running short on time. What I want to do is do a round robin of grading Trump and why you think he deserves that grade. We'll start with Selena. Oh, yeah. So um, if I had to give Donald Trump a letter grade, it would be an F because that's the lowest grade that I could give him. I think that he's dropped the ball on his own campaign promises. He's realized that governing an entire nation is harder than he seems. And I think that he finally realized he's in over his head. Uh, the majority of Americans don't want him there. He seems like he doesn't want to be there. Right. He continues to go to Margo, um, what's Mar-a-Lago. that resort? Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago every single weekend. And promote it on his <laughs> and, website. Yeah, if yeah. Obama did that, they would have hung him. No, literally. So, um, yes, I, I think that it's definitely an F. I mean, they're going to continue to do things that would destroy our nation, like destroying the Affordable Care Act instead of trying to work with Democrats to improve some of the loopholes, uh, they don't want to do that. And instead of trying to improve some of the loopholes with tax reform, he just wants to give tax cuts to the rich and try to convince people like himself and then try to convince other people who may not be educated or as um, well-versed on how this can hurt our economics and hurt our economy he's basically convincing them that this is going to be something good when it's just going to help him and people like him I mean like I feel like Donald Trump is the guy who like really really wants to do something because it seems cool but then as soon as he starts doing it he realizes like oh you know this isn't really I wanted what I wanted to do um, and I, I actually should say rich white guys right who think like oh well I just have money so I want to do this thing and then they realize like actually you know this isn't really a game so I'm going to give Donald Trump an R for <laughs> Resign. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, I guess I'll give oh. him an I for impeachment. I'm, I'm sorry, yeah. Jackie. You two are tools because they just <laughs> high-fived off camera, guys. I, no, I gave him an F. Alyssa gave him an R. And Jackie gives him an I for impeach. <laughs> incomplete, right? Incomplete. Um, I hope he has an incomplete presidency. I, You know, like... Um, one of the things that Donald Trump has managed to do is make George Bush look like a nice, reasonable guy. Yeah. I never yeah, that's pretty thought bad. I would see that day where people were like, you know what, George Bush, like, we miss having him. Like, he, you know, what happened to George Bush? And, he, and George Bush has been on TV condemning Donald Trump. So... 
you know it's that bad when George Bush looks good in comparison. Especially when George Bush created much of the problems we have in the exactly. Middle East. So before I give my grade, I do want to give Haji a chance to let his voice be heard. If you're wondering who Haji is, he called in. He's a caller. Haji, let's you, let your voice be heard. Okay, thank you. Um, first of all, you guys, as always, are doing a great show. There are three things that I hope that you can get to at some point because I think they're very, very important. And this is in the 100 days. Uh, first of all, the meddling in, in, in the affairs of Venezuela. You know, I mean, there's, there's, you know, kind of like upheaval right now, protesting and stuff like that in Venezuela. And, uh, you know, it seems like from what I've been reading, some of the reports that, you know, the United States has got its fingers in there. The other thing is that there is a report, I think it's in the alternate, if I'm not mistaken, about um, the overthrow, the the, uh, the the possible overthrow of the president of Indonesia by some ISIS-sponsored thugs and stuff in in Indonesia, and that uh, this guy Icon, I don't know his first name, uh, billionaire. What's his first name? Oh. Carl Icahn. Carl Icahn, right. Uh, his, some of his cronies and, and a lawyer from one of his, his, his interests, one of his companies in Indonesia, was, was sitting on a panel with some, with some folks who were swearing allegiance to, I, to ISIS. I don't have the stuff right in front of me. But the third thing is the Philippines. Uh, this guy, Duarte, or whatever his name is, um, in the Philippines is, is a killer. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, uh, he's supposed to be going, doing a war against, um, drugs, but, you know, but he's just a cold-blooded killer, and the United States under Trump is supporting this guy. So that's just three of the things that I would include in this 100 days that we might not be paying attention to that might come back to bite us. Thank you very much for that, Haji. Um, I, th- I think you pretty much covered them, but, um, you know, like, Trump is supporting murderers and killers, and... It's just another example of how problematic his his presidency and his campaign has been. So we do have to wrap up this conversation, and I'll do so by giving my grade for Donald Trump. And just to make sure I'm staying consistent with the team, I'm giving him an E. Why? Because he should be fired. And also because we're resisting everything. (laughs) An E for fired? F-I-R-E. Oh. Oh, that was good, Stanley. Thank you. Everybody, everybody's awake now. (laughs) <laughs> yes, these guys These guys don't know how to spell. They clearly had a, a, a um, Betsy DeVos education. But anyways, guys, the point is he should be fired. He should just fire the entire Republican Party for being quite honest with ourselves. As Haji told you already, there's plenty of other things going on on the foreign policy side that we don't even know about that the Trump administration is doing. But let's take a quick step back. Donald Trump came into the White House and he promised to deport millions of people. He promised to go after black and brown people and put them back into the prison system. He promised to destroy years of climate progress and he promised to give outrageous tax cuts to the rich. So far, we have stopped him in trying to repeal Obamacare and replace it with a steaming pile of garbage with Paul Ryan's face on it. He has So far, he has tried to get a tax plan going, but it can't happen because Republicans are skittish and afraid to work with him. He has tried to put a ban on several countries to start off his Muslim ban. I don't care what anyone says, it's a Muslim ban, and we have stopped it, and so has the courts. And he has said out loud that the reason his first 100 days have not been successful is because of the Constitution. 
I'll tell you what that means. It means that we the people, using the power of the Constitution, our freedom of speech, and our ability to mobilize and stand up against this racist troll, have been able to stifle him. And we have taken a lot of losses, and we will take many, many more. But he will not just come into this White House and come into this country and ruin everything that we have fought for. It'll not happen that way. So as you're sitting here thinking about Donald Trump and all the horrible things he's done, just remember, he could have been way worse than he wasn't because of you. So 100 days, he gets an F because we did that. We did that, not him. So with that being said, guys, we're going to go on a quick break, and we're going to end this segment on a happier note with a happier song. And when we come back, we'll talk about Barack Jaquan Hussein Obama's getting 400000 for a mixtape, Shea Moisture, and some other blackity black, black, white, Jew, African-American stuff. Yay. Shut up, Jackie. <laughs> But I'm piped up. See that boy right up. He piped up. See that girl right up. She piped up. Pipe it 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 up. I walk in the club just to pipe it up. I stand on the stage and I pipe it up. Get a regular till I pipe it up. Who was that singing? That was our Lisa. It's not what you said. It's how you said it. And when it's, I drank my whiskey, I knew I would forget it. It's, it's not the size of the boat. It's the motion That's of the That's right. Exactly. It's not the size of the bat. It's the amount of innings you play. You see that? We are back on Let Your Voice Be so Heard. So just <laughs> looking at us crazy right now like she has no She's idea. She's like, I listen to Kids Bop. <laughs> Selena is dabbing. <laughs> the dab sneeze. Yeah. Bless you, Selena. Thank so you. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, let me tell you who's here. Stanley Fritz is back. All right. I'm also here with Jackie Cohen with her New York Giants sweatshirt on, even though the Giants are a crappy team. This and is you my grandpa's sweatshirt. Even, uh, that's how that's not even <laughs> fair. That is not fair. So try to make fun of me. Yeah. You, you, oh, God. All right, you got it this time, Jackie. <laughs> I'm also Great here. With, I'm also here with Alyssa Fuchs, who does not have her grandpa's sweatshirt on. I'm swearing a white T-shirt. To That's watch right. My, uh, white kicks. Over I swang in my white tee. I bang in my white tee. And also, right here, right next to me, is Selena, baby hair, cat daddy, chilling in the Bronx Hill, who has gotten 16 minutes of sleep. That's right. <laughs> she got in her car to drive home and crash into the studio, and now she's doing the show. And we are here with the news roundup. What is the news roundup? If you're listening for the first time, the news roundup is a segment where we talk about our favorite news stories things that happened through the week it made you laugh cry curse flip a table or maybe even boycott shea butter and to start off the news roundup i would like to do the thing that i love to do it's a segment i call this week and white people think man they're spicy and here's the news story shea moisture Shea Moisture, as you know, is the hair product that a lot of um, African-American women use because it really caters to their hairstyles. And I guess like women have like C4, C5 hair textures. And it was just a thing that a lot of black women have supported. Earlier last week, they put out a commercial in which they had a very fair skinned woman on and she had like very loose like curls. It wasn't the traditional kinky hair that like Shea Moisture has usually catered to. And they had three very white women the women were so white i thought i was looking at the remake of white chicks i still left in jesus and Miro. and <laughs> and they were saying yeah you know we've been hair shamed before and a lot of black women were upset about it selena has not gotten her hair done in six days <laughs> because of it you know selena she gets her hair done every other day and sometimes twice in the same day oh so God. now um because i don't know what's happening selena please tell me why are we mad yeah so i mean it was definitely a misstep 
in Shea, uh, Shea Moisture's um, marketing. Um, I, I think that what they want to do is expand the brand. And I think that this also speaks to a lot of companies who are black-owned, minority-owned, and eventually they want to um, reach out and they want to expand their base. But I think that if you really want to do that for, you know, just to increase your bottom line, which is okay, there's a way to do that. And I think that the messaging in the commercial was just all wrong. I think that it was definitely a slap in the face to the loyal customers who happen to be black mm -hmm. women who have been supporting this brand for years now and to basically like j just put these up put the, the two white women and then the, like the biracial woman in there and to just like exclude us while they're trying to uh, uh reach another base was definitely a misstep but it's just one commercial what if pantene pro b put a commercial with a whole bunch, of, whole bunch of black women and white women got upset about it wouldn't that be a little, a little weird I, I think it's always different because I, I think that like especially when a company is owned by a black person a lot of times it's really hard for them to get like mainstream success wait is she black owned? yes Jackie, it's owned by a black man i don't think any white woman has ever been denied a job or discriminated against based on her hair, right? And so, and I watched the commercial. It definitely like draws this false equivalency between the things that white women go through with their hair and the, that black women go through with theirs, right? And it's like, you know, everybody has a hair journey. Everybody has a story. But for some people, you know, maybe their hair is an inconvenience or they're teased for the color of it or whatever. But for other women, black women, they have been routinely d discriminated against based on their hair color and texture and style right and so i i mean you know i'm not going to speak on it because it's well, definitely but i think that that's that's unfair right and it's sort of selling out your base and the customers that have supported you for years by you know you can open up your market and i think like you said that's like that's totally fine but to sell out the people that have supported you from the beginning is is you know i understand why people would be upset and there are a number of studies that show that black women are being discriminated against when it comes to wearing natural hairstyles. I've talked about it a number of times right. at the show, and it shows that the people that discriminate against them most, whether it's through a microaggression or it's something that's a little more obvious, like you just don't get this job or won't get a promotion, happens to be other white women in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Stanley? We have ja Jackie, Alyssa, can you guys go through a natural hair um, journey? No. Uh, no. I mean, no. I, I have like... Jewish crazy no. frizzy no, hair. The answer but, is no. But uh, uh, I'm getting to the no. I was like, but that still doesn't give me the right to claim that kind of hair journey. So no. <laughs> but I can never get there if you guys don't let me finish. <laughs> With the journey? No, I was kidding. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I get I get it. I get it. But it's just one commercial. I just don't understand why oh it's God, so Oh, God, Stanley. You, you're just doing that. I know just you're doing just what? doing that, Stanley. Guys, I hate to change gears on you, but uh, you know we don't have a lot of time, and I do want to get to some other stories. So, um, actually, there Journey. was a study that came out this week that shows that today's jobs um, in energy are not in coal. Shocker. Oh. Um, they are in wind power and solar. And last year, the solar energy industry employed many more Americans than coal. And while wind power topped over a hundred thousand jobs, so. I think this is a really important point to note because even for our president, um, because one of the things that he said when he got elected was that he was going to bring back energy jobs. Um, and specifically, he talked about bringing back coal jobs. The thing is, those jobs are not coming back. And a lot of people are still going to need jobs. Guess where the jobs are? Obvious. They are in wind and solar energy. So I think, we, you know, even from a business perspective, um, when we're talking about climate change, we should also be talking about it in terms of jobs, which is if you're looking for a job and you want to work in the industry and, and 
sorry, energy industry, there are jobs. They're not going to be in coal. They're going to be in renewables, but they're there. Dude, right. there are more Arby's workers than there are coal workers. This idea that the coal industry has a chance to live is a joke. I don't even know why we're still having this conversation. Oh, I do know. Because corny white men want to keep an industry that gives people black lung awake. Well, yes, well no, I, I think that, like, the coal workers and the people that li- that. I think like co-workers, they have like a, t- a lifestyle, right? And I think that it does create like a sense of fear to know that this job that they worked and their grandparents worked and happens to be generational is no longer going to be there. And I think that instead of trying to protect these jobs, it would be better if the president came out and said, we are going to shift over to wind and energy. You can still work in this industry, but you have to do it in a different way. You know what would be better? To get those same people in the coal industry whose jobs are dying out train them yes. pay them to get trained and enter these new jobs listen i don't understand how we have a whole bunch of crazy white people who all the time talk about this is capitalism and the market will correct itself and the market is correcting itself when it comes to energy and they're pushing back against it yeah it, it really doesn't make sense but i'll bring up another thing that absolutely made no sense have you guys been following all of the like the shenanigans and like the social media outrage going on with the fry festival so yeah. basically, oh, oh so bas- if you haven't, if you haven't been following it, so basically, um, Ja Rule, he co-founded something that's called the Five Festival. And basically what it is, is a scam. No, it, no, it, well, it wasn't a scam. So you would have to pay like a certain amount of money. It came, I think it was uh, like tickets to join to go to this festival was between like five hundred and twelve thousand dollars. And what it guaranteed was that you would be able you would live on like this luxurious um, resort on one of the islands of the Bahamas. And you, there would be this huge music festival where you had artists from like Good Music and Ray Sherman. And you were, they were going to be like like a whole bunch of like liquor it was going to be open bar you're going to have great meals it was going to be like a lot like if you watch the commercial it was like a lot of right. white women in bikinis just like <laughs> over and over over again and it looked like, like freak right it, it, it looked like 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 it looked like you would basically be able to live the lifestyle of kendall jenner and we saw what happened wait, that, um, wait i have to add in a spring break yeah right. into that yeah and so what happened was these people go to the island all of a sudden they start tweeting out these pictures and complaints that they're not being fed that they're living in tents and none of the artists showed up and you can't go in the water because it's an extremely bad shark problem <laughs> and yes Don, so oh by the way so someone wrote a, an article talking about her experience working for this fry festival and how she left five days after landing on the island to start working and at the end she says i can talk about this because they're so careless they forgot to make me sign an nda yeah i saw oh, that right. <laughs> yeah. And, by the way that's no, non-disclosure honestly though <laughs> the yeah. tweets were the best oh yes some of the tweets that i saw that were like mocking them they were like yes. guess what guys migos goes on in like 10 minutes yep. oh my god stage it two was just like funny i mean like it's not funny and like i i do think that it is really bad for the bahamas right ja and they put out a job rule i love ja rule's statement which was like i'm taking full responsibility but this is not, not my fault, fault and also so spelling funny. errors yeah well no, 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 but that's, but that's, but enough, that's called that's, a trump apology right like <laughs> it, i take full responsibility however it is not my fault i do think that there is damage done to the tourism industry in the bahamas and they put out a statement and i think that that's really problematic but i just don't under i mean it's funny to see a bunch of like rich broy people who spent twelve thousand dollars in some cases um to you know go to this this music festival and it all was like crap right it's kind of much just funny no it it was pretty funny especially the tweets so i think that um they actually stopped people from flying in at one point they were just like don't basically don't let anybody else uh, fly in and are they going to give refunds 
Are they going to give refunds? Jaru said that and it's poorly spelled no, but who knows? Let I me mean, just tell like, you something. Do we think that these people, these rich celebrities, really deserve refunds? Or is this just like the price to pay you for You know what uh, the irony is? Ja Rule has done more to hurt the, the 1% that Donald Trump has. <laughs> that is amazing. But wow. guys, speaking of the 1%, I want to talk about the black percent. Barack Jaquan Hussein Obama is getting 400 grand to speak at a Wall Street event. And people are losing their minds. People have said that it is contradicting his entire legacy. People are saying that he is being used by Wall Street to influence Democratic Party plans. People are saying that he is a sellout. People are saying that he should not be taking money from the, from Wall Street. What do you think? I mean, it's concerning. I think that Elizabeth Warren raised a good point because, you know, especially Democrats like herself, they're fighting to get money out of politics. And I understand he's a regular citizen now. I understand that a lot of presidents have done this, including Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton. But look how much slack Hillary Clinton has received because she did this and then she wanted to run again. And I thought it was if, dumb. Do- if, Bar- if Barack Obama does ever want to, you know, let's say he wants to be- influence the, the, the Democratic Party as an advisor or get give some type of consultation um this is definitely going to be a red flag because we i don't personally believe he's in bed with wall street but i think that there is a a sort of blurry line between um when it comes to the fight itself to get money out of politics when you have someone who is barack obama former president taking money on wall street so here's the thing guys if you want to call in with an opinion the number is 212-650-6903 212-650-6903 if, if you're on facebook live write a comment we'll read it as soon as we see it it's going to cost a lot more than four hundred thousand dollars to get barack obama to push the wall street agenda to democrats let's be very clear about that that's one how do Two, you know that go, go get these white because wall street when they want you to push their agenda to, to democrats or to anybody else they hire you on as a lobbyist he's getting half like pretty much half a million dollars to give a speech that's not going to cover doing real lobbying work and going after the people you need to push that's one two barack jaquan hussein obama better go get these white people money three is elizabeth warren going to pay his bills is 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 elizabeth warren going to send her his kids to college no four who cares what they think go get that money barry I mean, listen, I, I have to agree with you. Like, I understand why people are concerned. And, you know, I, I, I get this point about, um, you know, money and influencing politics. Uh, you know, but uh, I'll add to Stanley's list. Uh, um, number five, uh, Barack Obama was never some socialist lefty uh, Democrat over here. I mean, he was always uh, a moderate middle yeah. of the road type. So it's really not surprising that he's going to speak to Wall Street. And number seven, like you already sort of said it, but he's a private citizen. He's not independent wealthy like say Donald Trump is um, and so you know he really did come from nothing uh, you know like he grew up to a, a pretty middle class uh, you know or lower middle class family uh, you know he's not independently wealthy he is n- you know he didn't you don't really make a lot of money uh, as president unless you're Donald Trump and you're running a scam um, and so yeah he's got to live he's got to pay the rent on that Washington DC house that they're renting so that they can stay in DC he's gonna have to put two kids through college he's not an old guy that he has like you know only another five years to live he's got the rest <laughs> the re- you know they're 30 plus years of his life that he's got to live that he's got to have some money so i mean we live in a capitalist society and you might not like that and you might think that that needs to change from a general policy perspective but as long as we do you can't turn around and say that just because somebody is a former president that they're not now not allowed to make any money and if somebody is willing to pay him four hundred thousand dollars to give a speech then hell i would take four hundred thousand dollars if somebody wanted to give me a speech you can pay me a quarter of that and i'll still give a speech shoot i'll even do the cat daddy for you listen i gotta pay these bills and Sally Mae is coming 
at a fast pace. Jackie, you have a That's comment? That's like on you guys one? going to like speak to like what's the police commissioner's name? If no, he asked is, you to, if he paid you no, to go is, give a speech. No, it is not. It is absolutely not. Because me, I have a deep hatred for anyone who thinks that it's okay to shoot unarmed black people. And I have said that. Barack Obama has said that. Not everyone in Wall Street is bad, but there are bad actors. But here's the and thing. he has gone after those bad actors. You have to understand what he's going to speak about. Like if he's going to speak about being president and about some of the financial regulations and stuff like that, like he can't do anything as a former president to necessarily help Wall Street directly it would have to be through other people right and so you know it's a little different for and if the police department wanted to pay me to come talk about police reform and the things that needed to be done and they wanted to pay me two hundred thousand dollars to go do that i would go i wouldn't say what they wanted me to say right. i would say what needs to be said and if they didn't like that then they don't have to pay me all right oh, no, 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 i'll say this oh, 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 oh sorry Jackie's been pretty quiet no, I I, no, 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 because no, no, no. she said she didn't have anything to say okay i just want to say this guys I get the points we're making, right? But especially to Stanley, because when Steve Harvey came up there to speak to Donald J. Trump, that's no, not let the me same finish. Thing. Let me finish. Let me finish. When he came to speak to Donald J. Trump, right? He wasn't getting paid, but because it looked bad, we don't know what was said. We know there was photo ops, and we don't know what transpired. But we can, if we want to give. Steve Harvey, the benefit of the doubt, like we're giving Barack Obama, why not say that, hey, he can be influencing for good. He yep. can use his influence it's, for good. It's not the same thing because A, just, Steve because Harvey I, I is an Uncle Tom. B, Steve Harvey finished talking to Donald Trump and then went out there and said he'll be good for black people and he's going to fix our communities. And then three, Steve Harvey's an Uncle Tom. <laughs> Barack Obama got, is going to get paid $400,000 to give a speech. And also, unlike other presidents, he did not start raising money for his presidential library while he was still in office. So part of this money is going to be going to funding his presidential library. Oh, and also, he's going to be taxed like a regular citizen. So about 35% of that 400 grand is going to be going right back into taxpayer money. You know <laughs> right. why? Because he's accountable. You guys are mad at Barack Obama for doing this, making money? It's Meanwhile, Donald Trump has a white supremacist in the White House, and you got Democrats over here endorsing pro-life candidates, and then going, then going and giving speeches talking about how we're so pro-choice. Get, get all, come on, like lay off of it. This guy has every right. We spent eight years pretty much criticizing, observing, questioning every single thing that he did. He gave up eight years of his life to run this country, and then some crazy white dude is about to erase all of it. Make that money. It's like it sounds like people want to have the first homeless president while they're at <laughs> yeah. it. Like, is he not yeah. allowed Obama to has a new, He has a new book deal. He's running his new foundation in Chicago. Make that money. He is yeah. not short on change. Go okay? get these white people money. And Take he, Every yeah, dollar. No, saying go get that Wall Street money. It's not white. It go is get that white Wall Street money. That's what you're paying. saying. There are very few black power plays in Wall Street. Get that white money and then talk crap about them right in their faces. How do you know he's doing that? I agree. Yo, I get that money, bad. Barack Obama. It still looks bad. You mad at Obama for making a dollar when Donald it's Trump is making a dollar? It's not about him making a dollar. What does it matter what it looks like? He doesn't have to ever run for office again. And he never yeah, will. Yeah, but he still has influence. And I think that if we're trying to fight this fight. He's using that to get that bag. You don't. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. He's using it to get that bag. You know, like I'm, gonna, I'm, not, I'm not going to use my influence as a radio show host and as a writer to get a couple of dollars to pay me. What up? All right. I mean, but that's the other thing. Like, does he have to work for free? Does, no, does, I don't think he does, should does work does for free. Does having to be, because you're a former president means you can no longer get no, paid I think for anything Selena's else you do? argument is not that he worked for free, but that he don't go speak at Wall Street, right? Yeah. Like what you're, I mean, 
That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. He's getting money. He has a number of different streams of revenue in which he is making money. I personally don't think that he this is going to break or make the bank for him. But I just want to say that it is concerning. It's concerning. What's concerning about it? Because the fact that we are... Us on the left are trying to fight against the influence of money and politics. You have but the he's biggest, not in politics anymore. But you, he still has that influence, and he's still the face but how do you of know what about, we think how do you about. Know but that, I think but that's a problem in and of itself. Like, Barack Obama's presidency is over. He's not the face of the Democratic Party anymore. We need somebody young, somebody fresh, somebody I mean, new he, that's going to be... I mean, I know, yeah, but like, he can't fresh. ever run for office again. We need somebody yeah. that can run for office that's the new face of the Democratic Party, and it's not Barack Obama. Yeah. Maybe it'll be Michelle. Yeah, you guys are just looking to be mad about something. And I'm like, listen, I don't Obama, know. go get this paper. So, anyways, <laughs> guys, disagree. this next song is in dedication to Barack Obama because I feel like Wall Street said we got some bands and he said he would dance for them. So, we are going on a quick break. And when we come back, it's the worldwide right wing eclipse. Oh, wait, I guess it's not bands. All right, whatever. See that boy right up. He piped up. See that girl right up. She piped up. Pipe it up. Pipe it up. Pipe it up. I take full responsibility. It is not my fault. <laughs> right. Yes. In honor of Ja Rule. No, no, no. That's called a Donald Trump apology. Right. Would yeah, I no. be without accountability? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. All right, guys. So we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. My name is Selena Hill. I'm here with Stanley Fritz. He's back from D.C., I'm here with Alyssa Fuchs and whoop, Jackie whoop. Cohen, Hi. and uh, we just wrapped up uh, the news roundup where we talked about Ja Rule's failed festival. That's what it should be called, the failed festival. And when he gave an apology, but he didn't really apologize for the Fry Festival by saying, sorry, not sorry, basically. <laughs> so... We are going to move this conversation along. If you've been tuning in for the whole show, you know that we started off the show talking about Donald Trump's 100 days of fail, how he failed and why he failed. And now we are going to talk about how it seems that Donald Trump has almost infected the entire world. Um, if, if you want to say he can uh, he get he should be given credit for that. So uh, what am I speaking of? I'm talking about the populist rhetoric that he used to win the entire election. Um And we know that it was basically um, grounded in xenophobia, racism, and basically, yeah, xenophobia and racism. And he won the election. Uh, But we see that happening in other parts of the Western world. And we can look to France as a prime example. So next Sunday, French voters will go out to the polls for an election that could drastically change the world. They will be voting in the first round of presidential elections. And now this is just months after Donald Trump won uh, victory here in the U.S. And Brexit happened. And we know Brexit was when... British people decided to leave the European Union. So the next president in France, they will face a challenge of reducing unemployment and a string of deadly terrorist attacks. And we know that this election, as I mentioned, is it marks another step in the resurgence of populism in the West. Why? Because the two front runners, uh, one happens to be a centrist leftist and the other one is Marine Le Pen. And she is the head of the 
far right wing national front. And it seems like she's taking a play out of Donald Trump's playbook when it comes to her campaign, because it is also rooted in local French values, uh, nationalism, advocating a ban on illegal immigration. And she's talking about how she wants to protect economic policies to insulate the French from international competition. Does it sound familiar? Yes, it is very familiar. These are some of the same things Donald Trump talked about. But on top of that, if elected, Marine Le Pen would seek to withdraw France from the European Union. And she wants to withdraw from NATO. On top of this... And I know, I know, she sounds just like Trump. But guess what? She's also a huge fan of Vladimir Putin, okay? And Hitler. And, oh, wow, and Hitler, wow. So, this is why this is extremely problematic. So, regardless of who even wins the French French election, and I want to just say there is a very good chance that Marine Le Pen could win. But regardless of who wins, I'm going to tell you who the real winner is. In the French election, here in America... And also in Britain, it's populism, populism, this populist ideology. It is capturing the vote. It is capturing our hearts and minds. And it is pretty much pushing this world towards right wing conservatism. Well, I don't know if populism is the right word. Would you guys call, I, I, I call me, it racism because it's only well, it doesn't popularism mean it's popular like along, no. among a large well, people. Well, I will define what populism is, and then Alyssa could respond as well. So populism, it, it's basically the the principle that the people know what's best for themselves, and that the people do not need a representative. So basically, when uh, when Donald Trump says things like, you know, I'm fighting the establishment, and we need to drain the swamp, and we need to move as far away from the establishment as 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 possible, and then he infiltrates that type of rhetoric with racism and xenophobia it's basically like it's playing into this populist ideology i mean i think we have to be careful not to define that as populism because that isn't populism per se that's nationalism and it's Mm -hmm. nationalistic populism because bernie sanders is also Also a populist populist, right and he is uh, has a left-wing brand of populism so you know there has to be a very very distinct difference to point out that there is right-wing populism which generally uh comes to fruition in terms of fascism and in terms of nationalism and in terms of right-wing ideology and then there is sort of a left-wing populism that comes to its fruition in terms of social democracy and uh, um, you know the kinds of things that Bernie Sanders is putting out there about the 99% versus the 1% and those issues so I don't think we should call it populism per se we should be very specific to point out that it is right-wing populism and that it has its roots in xenophobia in racism and in nationalism right but it's still on the rise and it's right-wing populism that is definitely on the rise now and uh, again um you know as as i pointed out there's a a lot to be said to the fact that in just the past year um we had brexit we had donald trump uh, win an election and now we have marine le pen who is doing ironically well in the polls and might just win the french election next um week so uh, there is a lot going on here and i guess i'll just open up the discussion to the panel um by talking about what is you know well we talked about what is populism but what do you think history has pretty much taught us about populist movements and if this should be concerning 
So I want to jump in for a second. I want to say that what I think we need to understand is what you're seeing right now, particularly in France, is people pushing back against the establishment. This is the first time in a major presidential election in France where the establishment parties are not the top two people in the race. So the um, the Socialist Party in France, which is pretty much the Democratic Party out there, and I forgot the other party, which is the Republican version, they one candidate from the Republican side, I guess you would call it, had to drop out because of corruption mm-hmm. issues. The Socialist Party president decided not to run for re-election. So you have two outside parties actually leading these elections, and the reason that's happening is because the establishments everywhere have let down working class people. And when working class people get to a point where they feel like they need to shift everything because they're not being heard, it creates a vacuum in a space for people like Trump and Le Pen. Jackie? I think that's part of it, obviously, and I think that we've seen that historically happen, but I do think that there is this component of nationalism that isn't just about about economics but it is about identity right and yeah. so you have this one candidate marine le pen that is running on this like i we are france like we are unified france similar to like america first which donald trump ran on um who wants to exit the eu who's very concerned with french identity as being you know french and not anything else right and then you have emmanuel macron who is a centrist candidate who is very interested in remaining in the EU, right, and has run on that and I think flew the EU flag at one of his rallies recently. Um, so the two are very different. And I mean, it's, it is interesting when we look at what's happening in France and the parallels it has to um, the United States presidential election. Um, but do we think that it's going to result in the same conclusion, that the populist far-right candidate is going to win? I don't think so. Um, I have, I mean, the little I know about this election and the bit that I've talked to folks in France about it, um, they don't see, I mean, you have like a whole slate of candidates that ran. um, People didn't. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that I wanted to just add to this, which is I don't think that Donald Trump took a page, I'm sorry, I don't think Marie Le Pen is taking a page out of Donald Trump's book. I think it's actually the other way around. Le Pen has been around for a lot longer than Donald Trump has. And the National Front. And the National Front. And actually, the National Front was basically a Nazi organization. The the National Front has now repurposed itself as a sort of right-wing movement thing. But, I mean, obviously, we're not just seeing this in France. We're seeing this in America. We're seeing this in England in terms of Brexit. And a big reason for that had to do with immigration. And, And to me, I think the two main issues that are fueling this um, rise of right-wing populism and nationalism today are economic instability and uh, immigration. Um, And immigration also in terms of terrorism and people having fear of the unknown and and that is creating Islamophobia that is misplaced. Um, But nonetheless, people obviously they don't see the forest. They see just the trees. And so they see these terrorist attacks and they see that they're being carried out by a certain group of people. And so they automatically prejudge a whole group of people uh, to say that all of these people are carrying that and that creates more fear. And when there's fear, people then want to close the borders. They want to close themselves off. It's like when you're scared, what do you want to do? You want to go sit in your apartment by yourself and close yourself off for the rest of the world. I mean, this is that's just a microcosm for exactly what's happening. When people are scared and they're scared that it's going to affect their pocket and it's scared that it's going to affect their safety and their security, then they start to migrate towards let's close off the borders, let's shield ourselves from the outside world. And I think that explains a lot of what's going on in the, uh, you know, in the world these days. I think you're 100% right, Alyssa. That's a really good point. I do want to make sure we get to our caller. So we have Bruce on the line. Bruce, you've been very patient. Let your voice be heard. Yes, good afternoon. This is Bruce. I'd like to address that uh, global 
anti-establishment uh, scenario that's going on right now. You know, it's a lot of stuff. If you pay attention to scripture, this stuff is uh, prophesied to be occurring. Now, when you have the austerity going on around the globe, it is the bankers that's behind a lot of stuff. Back in the days when you, you keep bringing up Hitler and all this kind of stuff, like they say, even back in that, them times, uh, the Rothschild bankers was funding each side of the wall. Britain, Rothschild was funding Britain, France, Rothschild was funding France, and, and Germany also. Now, what happened is, if you, you forget sometimes, there were 60 million non-Jews and 60 million Christians killed and slaughtered over there in Russia. This is the reason why they were chased out of, out of Russia. And if, 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 if you pay attention, Germany was the only country to open their arms to those Ashkenazi Jews, and they betrayed uh, Germany at the time when they was very economically, you know, uh, uplifting. So, Bruce, I'm I'm a little confused um, about where you're going with this. I'm no, gonna I mean, Jackie I, th I think it's pretty in. clear that there's like a real anti-Semitic undertone to his comments, and I think yeah. that the Jews betrayed Germany. The, what? Yeah, yeah well, that, I didn't get the it. Rothschild money has, fun, you know, like that Jews own most of the wealth in the world and you know are, i mean there's like this large conspiracy as to jews basically deserving to be killed in the holocaust which i think our caller is uh is condoning yeah, i want to is that is he still is that what he's saying like i, I, I took i took bruce off the line oh, with this, okay. but um i do want to get a comment from zakia and sorry who just i'm summarizing she goes this is a warning sign for things to come and why it's very important for us to stay woke she, she put more than that in a facebook comment but i wanted to get that in there because i think with Bruce's comments, with things that we've seen, is an uptick of anti-Semitism, an uptick of conspiracy theory thinking, and, and like, and people are always going to blame those that they're oppressing and that they're killing, right? Like, there's always going to be blame cast. Well, they deserved it because MS-13 is a gang and they're coming in and killing people, or because the Jews control the wealth and so we need to get rid of them, right? Like, or there's Syria is a war zone, right? Exactly. There's always going to be an excuse to kill off or oppress another group of people and you're going to find the most convenient truth to you know absolve yourself of any wrongdoing but oh man i don't know that you know i, I mean and it. the other thing i just wanted to add because this is like the flip side of this which is the reason why western democracy became so important was after world war ii was to prevent something like the holocaust from ever happening again uh, i mean uh, you know it's funny because the one place that you don't see a very big rise of right-wing nationalism right now is where and it's Germany. No, and that's not true. I that's mean, actually no. I said big. I said like you the, the like compared to what's going on compared to Brexit compared yeah. to France oh, okay. compared to America the people who are right wing nationalists in, in Germany it is a really 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 tiny group it's and like part of the reason group, yeah. why is that as part of their schooling and part of their curriculum when German students go to school and they grow up is they are taught about the Holocaust they are taught about what Hitler did they are taught about the you know the drawbacks to fascism and the drawbacks to nationalism and how it can go wrong and they are taught never again and they are taught that as Germans they must be held accountable for what Hitler did even if they weren't alive when it happened. So when we come back we should really talk about the downfall of Western democracy and the rise of nationalism and how that all interplays together. Thank you. So we do have to take a quick break but don't go anywhere. We'll concern about this global wave of conservatism and right wing populism. When we come back this is Let Your Voice Be Heard. D.O.T. my enemy won't catch a vibe for it. Hey.
I've been stumped out in front of my mama. My daddy commissary made it to commas. Get good when you see your girlfriend singing karaoke too. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are listening to us through a stream but not through Facebook Live, you missed one heck of a show. If you're on Facebook Live, you just lost your connection because our Wi-Fi is a little shaky at the moment, but it'll be back in a second. But what were we talking about? We were talking about the rise of the right wing, the radical right wing agenda across the Western Hemisphere. In particular, we were talking about France and Germany. Alyssa made a really good comment about why you don't see this kind of rise in Germany as opposed to France and the U.S. and England. And it's because of the education that Germans are given about their role in the Holocaust. So with that, I want to throw it back to Selena. Navigate us, beloved. Thanks, guys. So if you are tuning in and you would like to chime in, you can give us a call at 212-650-6903. Again, that's 212-650-6903. We are speaking about this global way of nationalism and right-wing populism which is infecting the west and the question that i have next for the panel is should we expect to see more of this more nationalism uh, more right-wing populism uh, when it comes to policies when it comes to rhetoric and when it comes to different countries absolutely because whiteness is not held accountable f- so it'll keep on happening until we finally hold it accountable um, yeah. and i mean i think that this isn't this isn't just like a western issue right like when we look at where a lot of the xenophobia is coming from, it's surrounded um, in the issue of Syria and refugees. And, you know, we can't continue to like, you know, we have a president right now that I mean, clearly he's gone back on his support of Bashar al-Assad. But, um, you know, we we can't ignore what's happening in Syria and then expect this wave of populism to fix itself. Right. Um, we have to address our own issue with refugees and allow, you know, we are in a country where we're so afraid of immigration. We're so afraid of refugees entering this country and problems in the Middle East get worse. And, you know, they're all connected. Well, well, um, I hear what you guys are saying. So why is it that more liberal based populism isn't um, pretty much taking hold or, or, or capturing hearts and voters like why don't we see more um bernie sanders why don't are uh, leading uh, uh, different campaigns or even the leader of germany i feel like she's extremely progressive and liberal right like why aren't we seeing more leaders like that because it, you know populism is populism but why is he leaning to the right I mean, I think that the right's populism is based on fear, right? It's based right. on fear, and fear, fear is crippling, right? Fear immobilizes people, and it forces them, even if they believe in everything that the left is saying. And how many times have we heard that from folks that supported Trump, right? Th- where they've said, oh, it's very nice. I like all these things on the left and all these things, but I live in the real world, and in the real world, we have these issues, and, you know, I'm going to vote because we need to protect our country. We need to stay strong, yada, yada, yada. But um, the left can't do that, right? And so I do think think that we are seeing a resurgence or you know a growth of populism on the left i think that what bernie sanders was able to do especially in this past election was pretty remarkable the momentum that he gained but at the end of the day the left's populist movement isn't one based on fear and you know fear tends to win Alyssa? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, listen, I agree with that. I think part of the reason why it does not get as much traction on the left as it does it on the right is that um, people on the right, like, 
And Don't read? Like, well, no, it's, it, I was sort of getting that. They'll believe anything, whereas I find people on the left are more likely to question something, to do their research, to look into something, to call somebody out and say, you know, like, that's not true. But or, people on the right will argue that, and they'll say that they're the ones that are truly the skeptics, right? And they're the ones that aren't trusting the establishment. They don't trust... You know, doctors that say the vaccines are good for your kids. They don't trust the establishment to tell you what to do with your life and your taxpayer dollars. Right. Like they're the ones that are going to argue that they're the skeptics. Yeah. I'm a black man. I've never trusted the establishment. The establishment has always been against me. But I do trust math, science and facts. It's just as simple as that. And even if you don't trust the establishment, I never will. Even when Barack J. Kwan Hussein Obama was president. You know what? Hi, dad. I. I still was very like apprehensive to fully trust the establishment because the U.S. government has never been a friend to black people. But at the end of the day, you have you can't men lie, women lie, numbers don't, and there has to be a suspension of belief or reality to really be thinking right. some of the things that we believe. I, I do want to go on a quick tangent, guys. I'm sorry, but like, I I feel like this really needs to be addressed because we keep getting some calls on here where people are saying some things really. Um, offline. Let me be very clear about this. There are three things we absolutely do not accept racism anti-semitism and people who drink diet pepsi <laughs> if you feel like you have some if you, if you have some feelings about jewish people handle that on your own we're not going to let you come on here and speak out your anti-semitism or your anti-gay or your anti-black agenda here it is not appreciated it is not wanted and if you feel like that is a problem and you feel like that we're talking too much about you know gay rights or lgbtq rights or black rights or women's rights or jewish rights go ahead or write a letter to the show and tell professor Harden how much you hate us because i guarantee you it's not going to do anything and i should just add to that you know because i think that's important in this conversation as well which is that's not to say that if you have an opposing view on a particular policy uh point that you should not tell us i mean we respect that it's specifically if you're a hateful if you bigot. are trying to say something that is uh hateful or bigoted or homophobic or racist or xenophobic or in that respect um that is the kind of things that we are trying to fight against that is the reason why we are having this conversation right now about the rise of right-wing populism because the number one reason that we are seeing this kind of rise in my opinion is this fear of people that are different than you is this fear of people of other religions is a fear of people of other sexualities is a fear of people of different sexes and people of different races and so we need to we're, we're addressing in this in terms of our show but we're also addressing this larger in terms of the bigger picture because the whole reason why this kind of western democracy was set up post-world war ii was to prevent something like the holocaust from ever happening again and this rise of right-wing nationalism is very scary because it brings up fascist themes and we know how that all ends that ends with people that you don't like going to the gas chambers. We have to make sure that we never live in a society where we send people you don't like or that we don't like to go to the gas chambers in a mass genocide. That is not okay. That is exactly what we are fighting against. So so the, the question that I just want to uh, end with for the panel is, you, you know, what do we do now? Because the thing is, I'm a fan of some populism, right? Especially when it comes from the left and like what Bernie Sanders was saying. And I think that he captured a lot of hearts and minds of millennials. Um, and we haven't really seen another leader as yet sort of sort of pretty much rise the ranks and say like, this is definitely going to be the person that we're going to vote for for 2020. But so the question I have for you is what needs to be done and what can be done so that we can rise up on the left and start pushing towards a more progressive 
more progressive policies, which would lead to a more progressive country and also a more progressive Western world. Three things. Actually, four things. One, let go of Bernie. It's over. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> seriously. Bernie? Seriously, and, and just stay with me for this. Not to say that he's not a good candidate, not to say that he doesn't have great ideas, but it's done. He's never winning the presidential election. Oh. He had a chance. He missed it. Two, acknowledge that the role that racism and sexism plays in everything that is affecting us today. Three, stop rehashing the 2016 election. And finally, four, instead of rehashing these things, let's finally sit down and have a conversation about what issues we care about, what our values are, how we change the world, and how we can find some common ground with people who are not racist but have somewhere to go. Because as much as I dislike Trump supporters, as much as I dislike some of the people who say things that I, that make me feel really bad or attack my friends and family, we're stuck on this earth with them. And unless we learn how to live with them and make this a place where everyone in this world can be, be can have food, a roof over their head, and an opportunity to do good, we will all die together as a failing, starving land. Uh, so, so, Jackie, just to rephrase that question, yeah. um, again, what should or can we be doing as progressives on the left to sort of make sure that our ideas are being heard and they're also we're also being able to um, say them in a way that can sort of get other people on the right who are affected just as much as we are on our team on our team and on our side i i was listening to something on the radio recently where um they were discussing the issues between the left and the right in the united states and they were saying how you know the democrats appear to have um to be more out of touch with society than the Republicans, mm. which is funny because their policies are way more in touch with the needs of the American people than than the Republicans. Right. And so I think that this is something that as a whole globally, we need to be, you know, and certainly on the West, in the West, we need to pay attention to is that, you know, we need we have the right policies, but we need the right messaging. And that's something that we really need to focus on. Right. We're only going to get so far with policies that benefit everybody if if our messaging is off and we're not reaching the people that we need to be and empowering the people that we need to right you know what and that's something that was oh that was consistently said especially under the obama presidency he had these great ideals but i think that the messaging was just off in so many different ways and maybe the the left needs to go back to the drawing board and say how can we say this in a way that you know as a working class american as a white coal as a white coal miner that our policies will help you much more than what the right is pushing mm -hmm. and i just want to say this to, to just end the reason why france matters so much Number one, it's a nation full of over 65 million people. That's number one. It is one of the six largest economies. It's also one of the members of the United Nations Security Council, and it has and it's a nuclear power. It's also one of our oldest allies uh, to the United States, and it's also one of the countries that we all look to when it comes to democratic ideals. If this country goes down, if this country is taken over by the female version of Trump, I mean, when I say the apocalypse is coming, like, I don't want to be apocalyptic, but it's something that is extremely concerning when the West is being just just being bombarded with all of these right radical ideals. It is something that will hurt the entire world and nation because all of these powers are going to come together and they're going to push an agenda. And honestly, it looks like they're pushing Russia's agenda too. a lot here. We didn't even get a chance to talk about that. But again, guys, make sure you pay attention. The French are going to the polls May 7th. We all need to be watching because this is something that affects not just those people in France, but all of us. And on that note, we are going to take a quick break. Alyssa's jumping right into the quickie. So don't go 
go anywhere on Let Your Voice Be Heard. WHCR 90.3 Billy Truck, yeah, that's my choice to ride Always keep some on the side, yeah, yeah Don't stand too close, my diamonds gonna bite I get drugs for the right price, yeah we are back. So speaking of all the failures of the Donald Trump presidency, there was another big failure this week when a judge in San Francisco temporarily blocked President Trump's efforts to take away federal funds from sanctuary cities um, in order to punish them for not cooperating with the immigration authorities. So what exactly is going on and how is this going to pan out? What's going to happen next? There's a lot of stuff in the mix. Um, so uh, as you are probably aware, there are several sanctuary cities. A sanctuary city is a city where essentially the mayor or the local government has determined that the police department and that the local government is not going to comply with immigration enforcement. And what that means is, um, at least I'll give you an example. I'll talk about New York City for a second. Um, what that means is, is that if somebody is wanted by ICE, which is Immigration and Customs Enforcement, um, for possibly to be deported or being here, illegally um, then and they get arrested by um, the NYPD then if, unless they are being charged or convicted of one of a very small set of very serious crimes the NYPD does not turn them over to Immigration and Customs Enforcement and we do not help as local and municipal police departments we do not help enforce immigration laws that is up to immigration uh, um, sorry immigration enforcement and immigration agents to do so Basically, this has made Donald Trump and Jeff Sessions very, very mad because they do not like that the local governments are trying to block them from uh, finding immigrants and deporting them. And so what they said was, if you're not going to comply with these immigration orders and you are going to say that you are a sanctuary city, then we are going to withhold funds from you. Um, now. Uh, I'm going to talk first about the legality of whether or not that's actually constitutional and then sort of the hypocrisy of the whole thing uh, during the second part. I know I don't have a lot of time, so I'll try and break it down to you as simply as possible. The test that we use in law is basically whether or not the federal government is providing a carrot or whether or not they are providing a stick. And this comes from two different cases. One of those cases is called uh, Prince versus New York, and that's the case that talks about the stick. And the other case is called South Carolina versus Dole, and that's really the carrot. Um, and so how does this work? Well, if you have to do something and the federal government says, if you do not do it, we are going to withhold funds. That is essentially the government giving you the stick, right? They are not dangling out a carrot and saying, if you do this, then we're going to give you some extra funds. Um, but if you don't do it, you're just not going to get this extra money. Instead, they are saying right now you are getting certain amount of money, but if you do not do this thing, we are going to take this money away. And so what courts in the past have said is that that violates the 10th amendment because there is a concept of federalism and and so the states have certain sovereignty in order to say no to the federal government and to determine that they are not necessarily always going to comply with the federal government. And because these states are sovereign states, um, they can get away with doing that. In fact, a big proponent of this kind of thing was 
actually Justice Scalia, which is what makes this very, very interesting because conservatives are usually the ones that are saying federalism, federalism, federalism. The states should not always have to comply with the tyrannical federal government. Um, and so the, in these prior court cases, uh, the court has said that um, if the federal government wants to commandeer the states into doing certain things by threatening to take away their money, they cannot do that because that, th- uh, that violates the Constitution. On the other hand, the Supreme Court has said if the federal government wants to give states an incentive to do certain things by dangling the carrot, meaning by dangling out additional funds, that doesn't violate the Constitution. The best example of that is the drinking age. There is actually no federal drinking age. What the federal government has done is to tell the states... If you are going to have the drinking age at 21, we will give you some extra money for your highways. If you do not have the drinking age at 21, you do not get this extra highway money, but nothing is actually taken away from you. Um, And so that is really the test. And so there's two things going on with this court ruling, which is one, the judge says... The federal government in the president does not have the right, the executive branch does not have the right to withdraw this funding. Only Congress has this right. So what the judge is saying is if Congress passes a law saying if you are a sanctuary city, we are not going to give you any money, that may actually be okay. But that Donald Trump as the president does not have the right to take that action. And number two, even if Congress was to pass that law, it would still need to be evaluated to determine whether or not this was the stick or the carrot. Now, to me, it seems pretty clear it's the stick. They're not dangling out extra money saying, if you're not a sanctuary city, you're going to get this extra funds. They are literally saying, if you are a sanctuary city, we are going to take money away, which is essentially commandeering into states and localities into doing what the federal government wants by taking away their funding. Now, the hypocrisy of all this is twofold in my opinion. Number one, Republicans spent eight years complaining about how Obama constantly went around Congress and how Obama constantly was taking matters into his own hands. And they said that he issued too many executive orders. And he did this, that, and the third in violation of states' rights. And so now we have their own president in office, a Republican president in office, who is the very doing the very same thing. And with the exception of maybe one or two Republicans like Justin Amash and Rand Paul, Republicans are not saying boo about the fact that the federal government is now doing the exact same thing under Trump as the Obama administration was doing in going around Congress for certain issues. And so that is problematic in itself because they're hypocrites. Second reason why they are hypocrites is because you know where most of this money goes to that is going to these cities that they're threatening to take away? It goes to police departments. So on one hand, you have these Congress people saying, blue lives matter, we love cops, there's a war on cops, black lives matter is a terrorist organization, and we need to make sure that law enforcement has all these money to protect against these black criminals and thugs, um, which obviously is just racist rhetoric because we know that You know, there's no evidence to show that black people commit crimes at a higher rate than white people. But I digress because that's another issue for another time. And these police departments are also using this money to protect against ISIS and to protect against terrorism. So if you are threatening to take NYC's money away because of immigration policy, then you might put the city of New York and the New York City Police Department at more risk for a terrorist attack because you're taking their funding away. So you cannot say that you want to make sure that Americans are safe and that you want to protest against terrorism and that you want to give money to law enforcement to do these things if you're then going to turn around on the other hand and say that you're going to take money away from the very people that you're saying are 
you know, not getting money to begin with. This whole thing is perplexing. Um, the next step is it's going to go up to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Once the Ninth Circuit rules, you may have a situation where either A, the Ninth Circuit is going to uphold this ruling, and then it's going to go up to the Supreme Court, or the Ninth Circuit could reverse this ruling. That's very highly unlikely. And either way, it's going to end up at the Supreme Court. And when it gets there, it's going to be really interesting because even Republicans, people like Scalia, um, who obviously has now been replaced by Gorsuch, people like Thomas, people like Alito, people like Roberts, they're very skeptical of executive power as well. And they're very pro-states rights as well. And so you may end up having a weird situation where all the Supreme Court justices agree that this crosses the line. If you don't, that is going to also be problematic because it's going to show that the Supreme Court is now a partisan institution and is no longer deciding the law based on just the facts. They are instead deciding the law um, on their own ideology, which we have sort of known for a long time. Um, on that note, we're going to have to see where this goes. I'm going to throw it back to Selena to close us out. Okay, thank you for that, Alyssa. And thank you for everyone who hung out with us today on Let Your Voice Be Heard. We appreciate you guys for listening, for leaving comments on Facebook Live, and for also calling in. And if you love us a lot and you want to listen to the show again or tell your friends and family how they can listen to the show subscribe to us on itunes at let your voice be heard radio you can also check out our archive of shows on lyvbh.com until then happy sunday see you next week god willing right here on whcr 90.3 fm raindrop drop top drop top smoking no cooking the hot box on your bitch, yeah, that, that, that. Cooking up in the crock pot. We came from nothing to something. I don't try nobody to greet the trick. Nobody call up the gang and they come and get you. Cry me your river, give you a tissue. It's bad and bullshit. Cooking up with a oozy. My niggas is savage, ruthless. We got thudders and hundred rounds too. My bitch is bad and bullshit. Cooking up with a oozy. My niggas is savage, ruthless. We got thudders and hundred rounds too.